0: All right, welcome to episode nine of the Lightbulb Factory, conversation centered on the church becoming the light of the world. We are back again this week with another episode, and we have a discussion today with two special guests. Uh, Would you guys go ahead and introduce yourself? Clay, you go first.
1: Yeah, good afternoon. Uh, My name is Clay Dominey. I'm a junior philosophy major from Waxahachie, Texas.
0: Awesome, Clay. Uh, Clay just got back from Scotland, uh, interrupted by the the coronavirus. Is that right?
1: Oh yeah, that was a real hectic time, but had a great time in Scotland until it got cut short.
0: I'm sensing that your Scottish accent has worn off. Is is that right?
1: Yeah, it was he- never really great to begin with, to be honest.
0: Yeah, you're you're not quite William Wallace, but th- but that's okay, you know.
1: Sounded a little too Cockney to be Scottish.
0: <laughs> and uh, Zana, go ahead and introduce yourself too.
2: Hey, y'all. Uh, I am Xana Toth. I am a junior now at Baylor, and I am from Louisiana.
0: Awesome. Very good. The last person, Xana, that I met from Louisiana, I think I've told you this before, uh, asked me, uh, they said, have you ever seen a crocodile stand up on its tail? And I was <laughs> like, no, I've, I have not. And he says, well, this is what happens in Louisiana. Can, can you confirm?
2: I've never seen a crocodile stand up on its tail, but I've had, had to stop in the middle of the road because a crocodile was crossing.
0: That's awesome.
2: We've we've caught him off the side of the road as well.
0: <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, excited to have a good chat with Clay and, and Xana today. Today we're going to do an episode uh, on a book that we've been reading together. Um, this book is called *The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry* by uh, John Mark Comer, um, and uh, I would encourage you to buy this book and read it. If this conversation interests you today, it's got a lot of really good stuff to offer um, college students in your season of life. In fact, our uh, our leadership team of our of our student leaders has been reading it this summer together, uh, just to try to learn and grow and integrate some of this stuff into our culture. And uh, we've been having some discussions along the way. And so uh, Clay and Zanna are joining us today as part of that leadership circle. And, um, and we think you'll enjoy what, what this is all about. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, when I first hear this title, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, maybe the question that comes to most people's minds is, like, why do we even need to eliminate hurry? Like, I don't know that we typically think of hurry as... Uh, Perhaps an enemy. So, what what would you guys say just to start off? Like, what is the problem with hurry?
1: So, the problem with hurry, and he mentions this at length in his book, and it, I think it's best encapsulated by a, a Corey Ten Boom quote that he gives, kind of right off at, in the prologue, is um, that if the devil can't make you sin, then he'll make you busy. And really, all that means to say is it he makes you too busy to feel connected to God and to feel connected to yourself. So instead of devoting time to prayer or devoting time to um, reading your Bible, you you lose that time to distractions, to meetings, to classes, uh, to workaholism, or even to simple stuff such as just Netflix and Instagram.
2: A big part that stuck out to me was talking about how love and hurry are incompatible. And um, uh, something that I was being taught this summer, something that I really reflected on was how was this hurry um, affecting how I interacted with others and a big question that stuck out was is the good news like does the good news sound like good news when I talk to other people Um, so when I share about Jesus am I just saying a script of what the gospel is or or am I talking to these people out of love and out of what I've experienced in knowing him and not just something that I was taught in like a Sunday school class as a kid. Um, And so what I'm saying is like hurry and love being incompatible. It's not just hurrying this interaction and giving off this thing I've already recited in my head, but rather sitting down and talking and out of love sharing with Jesus um, about him and actually who he is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that makes me think about the idea of like being present with people. Uh, It makes me think about how uh, sometimes we're so focused on the next thing we have to do or, how overwhelming um, our, our list is, and we miss just a moment to sit and listen, and and I think that's what makes sense of this quote, like you're saying, that hurry and love are, are incompatible. Let me read a little uh, little section from that, that that part of the book. He says, uh, all my worst moments as a father, a husband, and a pastor, even as a human being, are when I'm in a hurry. I'm late for an appointment. I'm behind on my unrealistic to-do list. I'm trying to cram too much into my day. I ooze anger, tension, a critical nagging—the antithesis of love. Um, and so, I found that to be true in my life too. That whenever I'm in a hurry, I'm more likely to snap at somebody. Uh, I'm less likely to actually care about what's going on in somebody's life. I'm like inward-focused and turned. I'm, I'm just thinking selfishly about what's going on with me. And so, the 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 big story that sort of prompts this book in is is a is a conversation that John Mark Comer, the author, had. Um, and where his, his mentor is telling him about a conversation that his mentor had with Dallas Willard, who's a great author. We, uh, did him, we covered him on the podcast last week, and he called up uh, Willard, and he said, what do I need to do to become the me that I want to be? And Willard thought for a really long time, and he said, he said you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly, ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And so uh, Comer talks about how surprising that was. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I would, uh, if I had to identify the biggest enemy of spiritual life, I probably wouldn't choose hurry. Um, you know, there's all kinds of other things you could choose, right? What might be some examples of those?
1: I mean, he lists several examples at the start of the book. He mentions that he he's from Portland, a very secular area, definitely not in the Bible Belt uh, like where we are. And he said, if you were to you were to ask him what the uh, biggest threats to you know, spiritual life today would be, he mentions uh, liberal theology, changing ideas on gender and sexuality, Donald Trump, millions of questions people <laughs> yeah. have about violence in the Old Testament. Hurry uh, probably wouldn't have cracked the top 10.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and so I think it's it's a little bit of a shocker at first to hear that. Like, uh, And yet he wants to say that this is a big deal. Like Zana just did a great job of explaining, like this is, you know, keeping us from actually loving uh, ourselves and our neighbor Uh, Hurry and love are incompatible, and so therefore you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry uh, from your life. So I think one of the things that we have to do uh, in order to combat this is to learn how hurry is affecting us. So uh, in this book, he he lists some symptoms of hurry sickness, um, and uh, there's about ten or twelve different things that he lists uh, that that uh, that are proof to us. They're like sort of the symptoms that show us. Um, that that hurry is, uh, is at work in our life. Uh, Zanna, do you remember some of those?
2: Yeah, so one of the symptoms that he talks about that really stuck out to me was isolation. And he describes it as um, feeling disconnected from God, others, and even your own soul. It's a time that even whenever you sit down to be quiet and with God, you're still like so stressed and all these things going on that you're not actually there. Um, and that even happens with the people you're hanging out with, your friends or your family. You may be there, like, physically, but you're still not present with them because other things are going on. Uh, that one sticks out to me so much just because of what I've gone through, um, like, in my life, going through, like, college uh, and seeing, like, me personally isolate myself because of this hurry that I'm going through. And I'm feeling all of these things. I'm feeling disconnected and not knowing what to do with this isolation
0: yeah that's that's helpful uh and one of the one of the ways that that I think hurry kind of shows up in my life is the one that he calls restlessness um so there's this idea that like you feel like you have to have be productive and efficient sort of every moment of every day and um and I, I started to notice how like my my phone actually I feel like trained me to start to do that a little bit how Um, you know, now I can, if I'm walking from A to B, I can be checking my email and uh, checking Instagram and responding to a text and, you know, checking the weather or how many COVID cases there were happening in the County today. You know, there's just this endless amount of things I can be checking. And so every moment is becomes a possibility of being efficient and productive and making the most of my time and not wasting it. Um, and the way my personality is kind of wired is such that even in the evenings when I should be like relaxing and hanging out, I'm just thinking about like, what else can I do? What can I cross off the list? And uh, and being productive and restless, really, instead of, of just learning to rest and slow down and and to love.
1: Absolutely, uh, you touched on it, restless it that manifests itself in my life in uh, this kind of constant sense of you know anxiety. It, something's always wrong. Nothing's quite right, and it that it's a sense that rarely, if ever, goes away. Uh, this is sort of man, it's how her sickness manifests itself to me. On top of that, I've got, he missed, he mentioned another one, um, out-of-order priorities. Uh, you know, I find myself, like, when I think about it, like, watching all three seasons of Avatar The Last Airbender are not the most important things to me in my life. But yet, when it comes down to, like, my day-to-day living my life, watching, you know, watching in a TV episode like that or just doing something else often takes priority over actually what i want to do in life whether it's spending time with my family or spending time with god or just being or just doing what i want to do um just taking an easier path um than what's in front of me
0: and clay what's that been like for you in uh in sort of quarantine life you know when we have more time right but how has that kind of manifested for you
1: yeah hurry is definitely has definitely been unique it's changed its face for me these last five months i uh Like I like you mentioned earlier, I was in Scotland uh, right before this hit, um, and I came home. And then as soon as I got home, I had this endless supply of time on my hands. I, I just had hours of the day to just do whatever I wanted. But I found myself kind of not using it as much as I wanted to. I hurry would manifest itself, and you know I'd go throughout my day watching TV, going through social media, and I'd finish the day, and I'd still feel restless. Like I've done nothing today that's kind of feeling of dissatisfaction i mean i got to the point where i was i wasn't keeping time during the day with my watch i was keeping time during the day by what tv show i was watching it was friends in the morning office in the afternoon and you girl <laughs> at night that's um, your new calendar yeah <laughs> that's my yeah that's my new calendar and uh hurry the way it, pre- it presented itself in just kind of this ongoing distraction for me
0: yeah no, I can relate to that for sure. And, and so these, these symptoms he puts here, there's some other ones too. I'll just read them off. Uh, irritability, hypersensitivity, restlessness, workaholism, emotional numbness, out-of-order priorities, lack of care for your body, escapist behaviors, slippage of spiritual disciplines, and isolation. All of these are like symptoms uh, or you know, results of hurrying through life and, uh, and things that we maybe need to pay attention to so we can start to live a different way. And uh, and I think one of the interesting things that Comer says in this book is that our culture hasn't always been this way, um, that that we have kind of sped up more and more over time so that uh, all of a sudden now we live in this hurried world of speed. But but there were some particular cultural turning points that that led us here. Uh, And uh, Clay, what was one of those cultural uh, turning points?
1: yeah he mentions uh, quite a few in his chapter um, a brief history of speed all the way back to you know the sundial and the Gutenberg press but really there's one for for us there's was one major year that kind of changed everything That was 2007. It was when Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone. It was when Facebook was finally launched Facebook and Twitter it was where um, you know phones were able to hold more storage and everything just sort of got faster. you could do more things in a quicker amount of time and um which was which was great it was awesome but the but the problem with that is especially with social media platforms like you know facebook twitter instagram is they run on algorithms meant to capture your attention that's the way they make money the more time you spend on their services um that's where they get your income they monopolize uh your attention and yeah i think it's interesting one of the uh founders of facebook and their first president mentions that you know he actually calls himself a conscious uh, objector to social media. He knows, because he, he developed it, that it's meant to exploit a weakness in our psychology where we're driven by these quick dopamine hits, a new update, someone liked our photo, someone else posted something or commented, and it just keeps driving us back and back and back to our phone. I mean, if you'll notice, whenever you're bored or just looking for time to kill, where do you go? You go to your phone, you check Instagram, you check social media to see what other people are doing, to, to see what's new. And as a result of this big change in 2007, our attention spans and our lives as a result have been monopolized. And we're living at a state of partial, uh, partial awareness and partial attention to everything, and never giving our full devotion to any one thing at all.
0: Yeah, and that's one of the ironies of like of this world we live in is that we think we don't have time to do anything. We're just so stressed and so busy, and yet when you look at the stats of how much time we spend on our phones, it's overwhelming that we are spending hours and hours of our day, uh, you know, chopped up into little you know snippets of minutes and and seconds that uh, is given to things that are distractions. And so, if we could somehow just you know turn away from uh, those distractions and use. Uh, use those moments for something more productive we probably find we had lots of time on our hands instead Um, another thing that stuck out to me from that that chapter on speed was that uh, before Thomas Edison invented the light bulb that um, that that uh, the average American spent 11 hours a night sleeping that's insane guys when was the last time you had 11 hours of sleep
1: honestly I can't remember Uh,
2: probably like Probably like last week.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. It is COVID, I guess, you know, but... Well, uh,
2: yeah. not, not quarantine times. It's not very, it's not like that often. There you go.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so this is something that, you know, apart from COVID, right, has become so rooted in our society is that we just have to be in a hurry and have to be in a rush all the time.
2: Yeah. And so like for me, when I was reading all of that, it just made me look at and think, well, why do I feel the need to hurry? um and looking at how it is rooted in our society about how we see all these things like our phones how we have like to-do list apps on our phones um and it the book even talks about how there was at one point where everything was shut down on Sundays and yet obviously like that's not it anymore we make it this big ordeal like, sitting in church we I mean, like we're thinking oh I wonder what we're gonna eat for lunch after church when I leave <laughs> um guilty but looking at Why do I feel the need to hurry? And for me personally, it comes down to, like, this feeling of, like, self-accomplishment. If I can just, if I can get to do this and do this and do this, then, like, I will feel accomplished at the end of the day. Um, And also, like, why do I feel the need to hurry all these accomplishments? For me, it came from who can I, like, who can I impress? Um, Who, like, getting my like my worth or where my identity was coming from was from the other people that were around me of how they judged me based off of what I could accomplish if I hurried and just a little bit more.
0: Yeah, that's right. I think I think that um you know, it is a sim- almost like a status of importance, like a way of telling everybody that you're that you matter and that you have uh that you're important is just to talk about how busy you are, you know. Um you know, the common sort of exchange on a college campus is like oh, you know, how are you or what are you up to? Oh, I'm just so busy. You know, I'm so busy. You're almost like expected to say that sort of answer. And uh, and I think some somewhere down deep, like we feel more important and significant because we have things to do that make us busy. Um, do you guys think there's any truth to that?
2: I can't tell you how many conversations I've had on campus of someone asks, like, how are you? And you both just exchange of, oh, I have this many papers. Oh, well, I have this many papers and a lab and this I'll do tomorrow like those kinds of conversations basically like oh who can one-up one another with how much we have to actually do
1: yeah and I know on like college campuses there's definitely like an unhealthy culture of like you know you wake up in the morning go to class because you went to bed super late because you're working on another paper and you're talking to friends like man I only got six hours of sleep last night and friend goes yeah well I only got four and I'm like this is not (laughs) the kind of thing you want to be boasting about that's super unhealthy (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think there's this like unhealthy drive sometimes to like use these years to get so much on your resume. You know, how many organizations can you fit? How many like accomplishments or service opportunities did you do that you can boast about? You know, obviously your GPA is part of this as well, and just wear yourself out so that when you're done, people will be impressed with you. And uh, I sort of like think about Jesus's line where he says uh, he talks about gaining the whole world but losing your soul. You know. And like, how worth it is it if you have all these amazing things to boast about, but yet as a person, you're just, you know, not really much to talk to because you're just so stretched thin and you can't slow down enough to be present and to love other people. And so we have to weigh these things out and to learn to, to say no and to sacrifice and to say, like, like, my life is more about just accomplishing things. It's about uh, becoming a person who's in tune with, with God and what he wants for me and my life and for the world. And uh, at some point, we've got to make, make choices along, along that way. Um, and so I think limits are part of this, right? Uh, so do you guys remember what he talked about with uh, in terms of, like, uh, what is it, image and dust? What, what was that about?
2: Yeah, he was talking about, um, about, like, the ways that we were made. Like, we were made in the image of God. So from that, we have so much potential in what we can do. But at the same time, um, he brings it back to you are made from dust, uh, showing you your limits. Like you are not infinite. You are made in the image of God. You're not the image of God. Um, so you are not God. You're mortal. You have limitations to what you can do. And that's just bringing it all back to you're in a hurry, but what for? Because you can't do it all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and so it's we live in this like uh, we have to – to hold intention, the idea of potential and limitations. I think we live in a Western culture where people want to tell us all about our potential, how we can do whatever we put our mind to, and there's nothing that can stop us if we really d- dream big enough. Um, and yet I think uh, the, at the same time we have to realize we have limitations, you know, and that that's a good thing. And, and in terms of hurry, there's only 24 hours in a day. And if we try to deny that, and, uh, and if we try to overrule that limit that the world has, then we're gonna find ourselves really strung out and not much fun to be around. But if we kind of uh, you know, acknowledge and live into that reality that there's only so much time, then we can, we can make the most of it and we can, uh, we, we can become healthier people who live into our potential. We're not lazy, we're not apathetic, but at the same time, we realize we can't do it all and we have to say no to some things. I think this all comes forward to is that, uh, he, you know, Comer wants to say that the answer is Jesus, right? And by that, he doesn't just mean like your kind of old Sunday school answer of like, you know, pray about it and it'll turn okay, turn out okay. He means that like, if we look to Jesus, um, then we can actually figure out the better way to live. How would you describe the way he, he talks about this?
1: Well, he talks about it in uh, the way that a lot of um, you know pastors, churches talk about. It. And as a whole, we want to live like Jesus. The more as we grow as Christians, we want to look like Jesus. And a lot of that focuses on you know you know theologically and how we love others, which are all great things. But there's also an element of rest to that. Jesus rested. He'd uh, you know he'd go out into the wilderness, into a solitary place, just to just to pray. He would. Um, he'd walked to where he was going. You never hear Jesus ran as quick as he could from Nazareth to Jerusalem. He walked, he talked to his disciples, he lived with them. And if we're going to, if we want to really, you know, be, look more like Jesus and look more like him, a lot of that involves living like he did, including the slowing down, the resting, and not hurrying.
0: Yeah, that's good, because so much, some, some of the time we focus so much upon Jesus and how he teaches us uh, how to live after we die, you know, he comes with teachings, and if we believe in those teachings, then we'll be with him forever, and that's that's great news. Uh, but we oftentimes ignore the way that he teaches us to live before we die, and if we actually pay attention to him, then uh, then we can can learn from Jesus how to live now. Um, that the gospels are showing us how Jesus lives, so that we can imitate and mimic him and find the same quality of life that that he had as well.
2: Something that was real interesting to me. So I've always heard it said that Jesus is the way, he's the truth, and the life. But the way that Comer set it out to re-look at how is Jesus the way. He's not just this door into heaven, but looking at the way as his lifestyle. Um, I know a quote that Ryan always talks to us about, This is he really likes in here, is how um, to, adopt, to have the life of Christ is to adopt the lifestyle of Christ. Or did I say that wrong?
0: No, that's exactly right. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the the lifestyle of Jesus. Yeah, and he gives us this uh, this sort of metaphor illustration of a group of runners. And so he sees these uh, people, like you know, on his street who are going out and they have all the like cool running gear. And uh, you've probably seen people like this before on campus or something, and you think, man, they look awesome. You know, they have all the right gear, and you know the they're perfectly shaped body, you know, and man, I I want that. Like I want to be a runner like those sort of people. And then you start to think about uh, what it would take for you to have to be one of those people. You start to think about how you'd have to wake up at 5 a.m. and how you'd have to stop eating ice cream and all those sort of things. And you realize, well, wait a second. I, yeah, I want the life of a runner, but I really actually don't want the lifestyle of a runner. Like that would actually not be much, much fun at all. And so, like Xana's saying, like, uh, if Jesus is the way, he's, he's setting out a way of life for us. He's saying um, that this is a way we can live that Jesus offers up to us. But if we want to experience that way, uh, that life of Jesus, um, the one where he's not in a hurry, he's present, he's loving people, he's not stressed, if we want to experience that, then we're going to have to adopt the, the lifestyle of Jesus too. Um, and so I think that's really helpful. Um, and along with that, I would say, uh, that you know a lot, when a lot of us think about what the Christian faith is, we think about uh, it being the way of if Jesus as being like a set of ideas like that we're supposed to believe in called theology or we're supposed to uh, or it's a set of like do's and don'ts. It's a, it's a list of ethics. Uh, but Comer says uh, in his book he says that that uh, what Jesus gives us is not a set of ideas. It's not a list of dos and to don'ts. It's a way of life. That's based on the way of life that Jesus actually lived himself, and that together we get to live that way of Jesus if we just follow in. So guys, I think the big question that this leaves me with today is, how do we actually get this life that Jesus offers us? Like, what is it going to take for from us from here?
1: So yeah, whenever I think about the life that uh, Jesus offers us, I think about when Jesus says, you know, I have come that you may have life and have to the full. He has this amazing, wonderful life out there for us, but it does take some a little bit of work to have it i mean these ideas that you talked about earlier uh love peace and joy these things are incompatible with her because they take time to develop you can't love someone or overnight you know it doesn't work quite like that um and peace and joy are both things that take practice they take time to develop there they take discipline jesus tells us you know uh my burden is easy and my yoke is light but it is still a yoke and he walks with us uh along with it it's still Something that It's still work we have to do. Um, and the way we get to love, joy, and peace, and the way these things manifest themselves in our life are we spend time with God. We spend time in the Word. It's saying no to distractions, saying this is my priority. I am no matter what, I'm carving out time in my day where I'm, I'm either just sitting in contemplation with God, hearing what he has for my day, I'm reading his word. I am doing something because he is the most important thing to me. And I know that by doing this, I am living like Jesus did. I'm doing his practices and I am tapping into that abundant life that he has out for me.
2: Yeah. And for me, when it looks at practicing the spiritual disciplines, I mean, it's just that practice that implies that it's not something that you're naturally good at. And I know me, I'm, I still fall short. Um, And some of these spiritual disciplines, they are like like you've been taught growing up. It's like the reading your Bible, praying, um, worshiping. And my biggest thing when I was reading this book was looking at the why behind it. Because the type of person that I am, I love to make up my to-do list and check off my box. But the second I turn reading my Bible into just another check off my box on my to-do list, um, the intention for me is is gone. I'm not no longer doing it for him. I'm doing it to make me feel better about hey, I well I did this. Why are you doing the spiritual disciplines? Are you doing them to check it off the box? Are you doing them with the right intention of I'm doing this because I want to know you more. I see the way that your life is God and it's not this that I'm that I'm tired and I'm I want to find rest. It's that I know that I don't have rest unless I'm in you and that I know you. Um so I'm not just reading my Bible to read it and say, I did it. I'm reading it because it's a way to know you more. I'm not just praying so I can say that I prayed. And prayer is more than just like, hey, God, give me this, give me that. It's praying to you and having that conversation um, with you to not just like know these facts in my head, but to know you exper- like experience. Um, and so that was just a really big deal for me was you can do these spiritual disciplines, but also look at why you're doing them.
0: That's great, and I, I think what I hear y'all saying is that when we when we say yes to these spiritual disciplines, like spending time with God or doing silence and solitude or Sabbath, we're going to get into more of some of that next week. The specifics of it all. But when we say yes to uh, these these habits. That we are saying yes to the life that Jesus offers us. That just like the marathon runner can't have uh, the, the body or you know the ability to run 26 miles without getting up at 5 a.m. every day, you know, and and you know doing better on the ice cream diet. So also, we're we're not going to do better in terms of living this life that Jesus wants for us unless we also put in the practice, right, um, of, of of being with God and of letting Him shape our life. And so Jesus is this way. He's laying out a way of life for us. And if we want, uh, if we want that life that that uh, that He offers us, we can have it. But it's going to take it's going to take practice. It's going to take a yoke, an easy yoke, though. Very good. Well, guys, this has been a great episode and conversation today. Thanks uh, so much for joining in, Clay and Zanna, for all of your insights. Uh, really thankful for you guys. And uh, next week, we're going to be back with uh, with part two. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the specific spiritual disciplines that Comer says we need to take up if we want to eliminate hurry uh, within our life and be able to truly uh, discover this life abundant that Jesus offers us. So tune back in next week. In the meantime, share this episode with a friend or give us uh, a review if you would and uh, we are going to be back next week so see you guys then